There's one verse that stands out, at least for me, and it goes like this. Right here. everyone and welcome back to episode two of countering climate change today we're going to be talking about climate and politics i'm naomi flowers and i'm melina grib so as we all know the inauguration happened on wednesday january 20th um where were you guys when you were watching it alina and i personally were in the cafeteria just eating our lunch yeah. watching it together <laughs> we wanted to make sure to catch the inauguration um, so President Joseph R. Biden Jr. was finally inaugurated. I did not think, honestly, that the day would come. So yeah, much, yeah. so much has happened in these past four years. Right. So, um, we, you know, we finally hit that, and now we can commit to real change, hopefully, in climate change, um, because we have a president who claims to be committed to it. So uh, later, I watched Amanda Gorman shared her sharing her empowering speech, and I read a transcript of his inaugural address which had an emphasis on unity which ties into today's episode because coming together is going to be essential to fight climate change which is looming over our nation and our world so he began with the symbolic day one actions and those serve as highly as a highly representative start to the presidency so he signed 17 federal directives called executive orders named due to the fact that he's head of the executive branch and um, they were mainly to address the coronavirus pandemic, but they also dismantled a lot of Trump administration policies. He can eliminate many of Trump's policies, frankly, um, cowardly and disgraceful policies, because um, they were introduced as executive actions themselves. So they're a bit easier to roll back on. Um, and Trump had to enact these as executive actions because despite having the majority of the House and of the Senate, uh, he couldn't get legislative consensus because of how truly corrupt his policies were in terms of climate change. So all of them were important, and I encourage you to look at all the executive actions on the White House website. But in terms of the environment, his actions included rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, which is a 30-day process. Right. So should we talk about Paris Climate Agreement first? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So a lot of people like kind of misunderstand like oh the Paris Climate Agreement is going to be really harmful but really it is like just each country actually develops their own plan within the Paris Climate Agreement so it's not like you join it and have all these requirements it, it takes like uh, 30 days like you said to re-enter the agreement so we're not actually right. in the Paris Climate Agreement again yet but it uh, but we will be probably <laughs> and yeah so actually, make sure to keep up with what's going yeah, on and 197 countries are actually in the Paris Climate Agreement Except for, like, war-torn Syria and stuff. But, yeah. So that was kind of a big deal when we backed out of it, I guess. And so many people agreed on it. Because it's really just about unity. Like, for the world to unite onto, like, one issue. it's And to, like, develop their own plans on reducing their carbon emissions. So the U.S.'s pledge was to cut 26 to 28% below the 2005 levels by 2025. And by doing this, they um, will enact the Clean pa Power Plan, which limits pollution from fossil fueled power plants, which cause like 30 to 40 percent of Americans' carbon footprint. So this could um, save the U.S. $20 billion in climate costs and $34 billion in health benefits. So a lot of people say it's like going to be really costly, but that's actually a good investment for our future. Right. And I think it's really essential that we get back in unity with the world because truly the previous administration we had tore a lot of relationships that we had with other countries and a lot of credibility we had 
And I feel like a big misconception about the Paris Climate Agreement is that it's what the Parisians want. It's what France wants. And as nice as I would be, since I'm French myself, um, (laughs) it truly is according to each country, as Alina said. Um, And it's just a way for us to unite under this issue that impacts all of us. So it really is essential. Right. And I think backing out of it, like, is just a movement against unity because, like we said, like, you develop your own plan within the Paris Climate Agreement of your pledge as to how you're going to reduce your carbon emissions. And a lot of the claims that Trump made about, like, um, the effects of the Paris Climate Agreement wouldn't really be true because it just depends on how you treat it. Like, he claimed that it would take away coal jobs, except that the coal industry has been going down in a decline for a long time now because of cheaper, cleaner energy right. things that are, like, reducing in price recently. And a lot of jobs are actually going towards clean energy now. Right, and that actually leads to one of Biden's main points, which is that he's not just removing these people from uh, the fossil fuel industry, making them lose their jobs in industries such as the coal industry. Um, it's going to be moving into jobs of clean energy and really working towards equitable opportunities for these people in the communities that have these types of jobs. So these people aren't going to be left stranded. And if they are, you better bet that people are going to fight for them. And hopefully that will never happen. But that is one of the biggest points. Right. And that's we're going to talk about the Green New Deal a little bit later, but that's exactly one of the points made in the Green New Deal is about providing like resources for people in rural areas to make the shift from like if they're working coal industries to other energy. Like a lot of it is being put into the individual in the Green New Deal. Right. Yeah. So do you want to move on to some of his other day one executive actions? Sure. Okay. So another one was revoking the Keystone XL oil pipelines federal permit. And another was pledging to review a list of more than 100 Trump administration regulatory actions, which were aimed at basically propping up high emitting industries, which those were the ones that funded his campaign and basically his Jim Henson. So they're the puppeteers and he's the puppet. Um, So he really was working just towards profit and not towards lives. But these executive actions are going to work to reverse those. Um, An example of how those executive actions are already leaving an impact is with the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard about this. Lots of big influencers have been talking about it. So we're going to quickly summarize it um, to understand it deeper. So the Trump administration, after conducting a deeply flawed environmental impact assessment, wished to open up one of the most geologically sensitive areas in the world for oil drilling. Um, But luckily, no sensible energy company would participate, so nothing happened. But Biden solidified a stop to it with his executive actions by preventing any sort of lease on land like this in such a hasty manner and by setting a requirement for proper assessment that also factors in the social cost of pollution. So that's actually something I really, really like because, in my opinion, one of of the most significant parts of all these executive orders is a repeated inclusion of environmental justice. Um, The effects of pollution and climate change are disproportionately felt by low-income, marginalized, and communities of color, uh, as we've clearly seen in this pandemic. So by acknowledging this disparity so prominently, it's more than just a symbol um, that Biden is intending to work on this. It also makes a strong argument for climate change, which is essential in fighting back against these big emitters and these huge companies that profit um, by contributing to climate change. Yes. So, yeah. So when I was looking over Biden's plan for clean energy, these like on his official website, these are the ones that stuck out to me. 
Um, it includes ensuring the U.S. receives a 100% clean energy economy and reaches net zero emissions no later than 2050, establish an enforcement mechanism that includes milestone targets no later than the end of his first term in 2025, to make historic investment in clean energy and research in climate innovation, incentivizes the rapid development of clean energy innovations across the country, especially in communities most impacted by climate change, such as like lower income um, areas you were talking about. Biden's plan will ensure that communities across the country like Flint, Michigan, Harlan, Kentucky to the New Hampshire sea coast will have access to clean and safe drinking water, which we've been trying to do for years. Right. Fulfill our obligation to workers and communities who powered our industrial revolution and sub subsequent decades of economic growth and saving consumers money and reduce emissions through new aggressive appliance and building efficiency standards. So those ones just stuck out to me. And these are like part of his proposal. So we better hold him to that in years to come. But I think these yeah. are really good steps in the right direction. Yeah. And I like that you went and looked at his website directly. And that's something that I strongly encourage all of you guys to do is to look at any candidate's website, whether it's locally or nationally or at the state level, look at their website, look at their campaign, look at what they stand for and hold them to it continuously. Yes. And that's something I really hope that is going to carry on in these four years of Biden's presidency. And that's something we can do as individuals, which we'll talk about in further episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I really encourage you to look at that and then to think, you know, to yourself, like critical thinking, what are they missing? Um, you know, a lot of them are very ambiguous and are just trying to get votes. Um, but hopefully they'll be more specific and actually have long-lasting critical change. And although he's done far more than Trump already in these past few days, uh, many people farther on the left than him, because he is rather close in the middle, um, are just not satisfied. His legacy in the eyes of the people of our generation, um, who will be deeply impacted by climate change when the time comes, um, hope that it doesn't just rely on going back to Obama-era pollution policies, but through actual systemic, long-lasting change in this climate crisis. So my play is that the Biden administration and the Democrat ag agenda truthfully and continuously work towards offering good-paying jobs, um, as, in least in, as in at least more than a true living wage, and that these jobs are in the interest to sustain our world rather than to destroy it. So instead of fossil fuel industry jobs towards renewable energy jobs. So I'll be slightly content if they do the bare minimum of uplifting these marginalized communities um, and truly working towards environmental justice and helping these people that are affected by the pandemic in the same way that they're going to be affected by climate change. I really hope that the pandemic has illuminated them not only to healthcare discrepancies, but also to climate change discrepancies in our nation. Right. And I think that the Biden administration can adopt things like the Green New Deal that will really help with these communities that are disproportionately affected by climate change. Right. So let's uh, get into what the Green New Deal is. So I think the Green New Deal is something that our generation can really identify with in terms of all the different legislation and policies that have been introduced. This one really identifies with what our generation is fighting for. So it's a congressional resolution with essentially a grand plan for handling climate change. Its name may sound familiar if you're familiar with the New Deal, which is introduced by FDR. Um, so some of their similarities include that it's not just a single project or a single piece of legislation. It's a collective of different public works programs and just financial reforms and so much more. So um, this Green New Deal came about after a youth activist movement, which we'll talk about in our next episode. Yes. Um, called the Sunrise Movement, who organized a sit-in at the office of Nancy Pelosi, who at the time was a soon-to-be Speaker of the House. So Rep Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez joined the sit-in, which she actually seems to do a lot, considering just last week she 
joined a produce worker protest in New York City. Um, oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I find that pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so she then set the groundwork alongside Senator Edward Markey of Massachusetts to call on the federal government to work away with fossil fuels gradually while simultaneously guaranteeing new high-paying jobs in clean ener energy industries, which are all points the Biden campaign identified with. Um, so the Republicans tend to see this as a sort of radical socialist takeover, which is just wrong. Um, as a guidance structure, the Green New Deal uses two reports from the United Nations and by federal scientists, which essentially all warn that if global temperatures continue to rise, which we explained the reason why this happens in our last episode, then the world is headed towards an age of disastrous amplified natural disasters, which we're already starting to see in our world. So for some Republicans who are more focused on the economy, because that is one of the biggest parts of the Republican agenda, um, they believe that it's that the Green New Deal is an issue because it would cause the U.S. economy to lose billions of dollars. Um, but it wouldn't really, in my opinion, be considered a loss because think about all the losses we're going to get if we don't face a climate change issue. Right. And um, basically what the Green New Deal is on itself, like you said, it's a piece of what's it resolution it's not legislation which i think is something people who oppose it have to consider like it's not actually legislation it's just consisted of a lot of like um hopes you know for what right can it be wouldn't passed. be law yeah it yeah. wouldn't immediately be a law and it actually establishes that there are two crises crises a climate crisis and an economic crisis and it um threatens to hold on <laughs> so basically it, um, I can actually understand, honestly, why some Republicans find it to be radical, right. because there are parts towards the end where it basically has workforce guarantee, housing guarantee, healthcare, which is all really great stuff, but like I said, it is a resolution and not a right. legislation, although the, like I agree with that stuff, I can understand why some people find it to be radical, but then mm -hmm. again, this climate crisis is extremely like pressing, like you said, it could be devastating, and I think the Green New Deal is definitely something that has to be given a shot, and... It also exists to help out, like, frontline and vulnerable communities who do not have, like, the means to make their voices heard in, like, the midst of politics where all these people have big lobbyists and stuff to let their voices be heard but not represented on, like, the lower scale. Right. So the public investment, a lot of this is aimed at creating jobs central to the project. So, like, it's really, it really is an investment that, like, like you said, maybe we'll lose money at first or something, but I don't know. It like definitely will be helpful and also aims to meet 100% of our power demand through clean clean renewable and zero emission energy sources and this does and so this includes also nuclear energy so people who are proponents of nuclear energy are not completely getting like like it's not like that won't be banned it's just supporting nuclear and renewable energy sources so yeah and it also oh yeah another thing was that it guaranteed the right unionized and had anti-monopoly policies which again like doesn't have to do with climate but i think it's really progressive good right. stuff that is really necessary right you brought up so many good points so the first one i'm going to touch on is the intersectionality of the green new deal so like you said it tackles economic issues and climate change issues because these all reach a conjunction at some point um, so I really, really like that, that it's not working just for private interests or personal interests. It's really working to help everyone in our country. And then I also like that you touched on the misconceptions and the controversies of this. Um, I feel like Trump famously said that 
This will take away our airplane rights and our burgers and milkshakes will be a thing of the past. But simply put, that is false. Um, a criticism with a bit more basis is that the report was actually initially sent out as a botched version that included some controversial ideas, like you mentioned, um, guaranteeing economic security, um, specifically to those unwilling to work. So I can see the controversy around that. Um, that's been removed since then. But I personally think nitpicking something that's not even going to be mandated by law, right. um, even if passed, is obviously just to work against the interests of solving the climate change crisis. And that's just going to be detrimental in the long run. Um, instead of nitpicking, try just solving it and coming up with better solutions. Um, another issue is the cost of the Green New Deal like we brought up earlier. And I understand the issue with it being costly, but if climate change continues to run rampant, the cost of that will be much more detrimental, not just monetarily, but also in terms of human lives. And, yeah, definitely. Right. Like, it'll, it'll cost us billions of dollars more in the future t for health issues and for like the state of the world to repair things because of like environmental hazards, like the worsening extreme weather effects and stuff than it will to invest in our lives now. Yeah, so what I like most about the Green New Deal is that it makes a point to fight towards tackling poverty and income inequality, as well as racial discrimination um, due to its intersectionality with climate change. Um, I really recommend that you read it for yourself, just like we mentioned to read up on Biden's campaign and Biden's main points uh, but here's some main takeaways um, from the Green New Deal so the first is that the entire world needs to have net zero emissions by 2050 so that word net indicates basically that as much carbon that's released needs to be reabsorbed so it doesn't mean we have to completely remove the use of fossil fuels or the uh, release of carbon but we need to match it by reabsorption which would be to aid in building up our forests and all that that help to capture carbon which we talked about in the last episode um, and then also, th to achieve that, a main point is that the U.S. must take a leading role through what this plan characterizes as a 10-year mobilization within our nation, um, which would just be a series of little plans like we talked er about earlier, which are just collective financial reforms and all of that. Um, so what I saw as one of the biggest reactions to the Biden administration's entrance into the White House, um, and it's kind of a consensus on it, is that It'll be a more refined presidency serving with integrity um, rather than profiting off mis misinformation and the literal incitement of violence and just the causation of hate and division. So despite lots of flaws, as there is in any politician, um, I do agree with that, that it'll help with foreign affairs and things like this, working with other countries like we talked about in the Paris Climate yes. Change Agreement. Um, so yeah <laughs> do you mind if we come back to the paris climate agreement for a little bit oh of course more yeah so um like i said the u.s committed to cutting down 26 to 28 percent below levels of 2005 and before before, <laughs> before sorry 26 to 28 percent below the 2005 levels lots of, of numbers carbon. yeah lots of numbers <laughs> in one sentence hard to read again at and i don't know if some but the eu which and which is already extremely low emitter the um entirety of the eu actually as of 2015 only made up nine percent of the world's carbon emissions and that's like all of the countries in europe meanwhile the u.s made up 12 percent being one individual nation and they right. even aim to reduce their emissions by at least 40 percent below their 1990 levels through these domestic measures right and um Another thing that a lot of people combat the climate Paris Climate Agreement with is like, oh, we're throwing all this money in and all these, like, to help out these developed nations and no other countries are doing that. Well, actually, um, I believe it was 
Sweden that pledged money towards like five hundred sixty million dollars. Meanwhile, like, the U.S. pledged like three billion, which seems like a lot more. But per capita, that's about that's like six times more because of like the s- scale of Sweden. Right. It's important to look at proportion yeah. when looking at any sort of statistics. Yes, it definitely is. And um, what's it? Yeah, Trump also um, descaled the issue by saying with the current pi- Paris pledge that we've made it would only avoid an additional 0.2 degrees Celsius by 20... It would only reduce an additional 0.2 degrees Celsius for the global temperature by 2100. But it's actually a range between rising from 2.7 and 3.6 with the climate agreement compared with 3.3 to 4.7 if no action were taken. Plus, the Paris Climate Agreement is made to, like, adjust over time. So every two years, it's made to hold these countries accountable by requiring reports of their climate emissions and all their um, actions to adjust and see what we can do better and what we're not doing and just to create a cleaner Earth. (laughs) <laughs> so I guess it's great that Biden has committed to rejoin the Paris Agreement. Um, however, it's not likely that the Green New Deal will take effect during his presidency. Um, only time will tell, but we're pretty short on time when it comes to this crisis. However, uh, Biden is planning on mirroring a lot of the big ideas in the Green New Deal. It's just kind of still a scary thought for a lot of people, and rightfully so. Um, however, he's taken the main takeaways into his own executive actions and his own plans. He was also the first president to appoint members of a climate team even before he entered the presidency. So I think as of right now, he's doing a pretty great job, him and Kamala Harris and his climate team and just all of his team. Um, and then in addition, he has plans to ensure that the USA has a 100% clean energy economy and reaches net zero emissions no later than 2050. And he's committed to a federal investment of $1.7 trillion over the next 10 years for environmental justice and a clean energy future. Um, Although many people on the left think that he hasn't done much, um, if the Biden administration wants to meet global goals for climate change, yes, a lot more needs to be done, but he is doing a lot up to date. So we'll have to see. Yeah, time will tell. Right. Um, so reversing the Trump administration's decisions yes. and his promises and his plan for clean energy revolution and environmental justice, as Alina described, was in his website. Um, those are all great things so far. And we really have a right to be optimistic about what's going to happen in our country and his next four years in his presidency. I agree. Right. So I hope that leaves you guys on a good note. Um, continue to keep up to date with what he's doing in terms of climate change and make sure to base your own opinions on it and work with others just to learn more about it and to take action. Yep. And I guess that's all we have for you guys today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. It means a lot. Yes, it really does. And stay up to date. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. See you then. Bye. Bye.